It's time for your weekly trip inside the ropes and behind the scenes of the Australian golf industry. Welcome to another episode of the Australian Golf Show with Tiffany Cherry and Mark Allen. Your mom, Sharon, your sister, Mel, they're here from Australia the first time in over two and a half years due to the COVID protocols in Australia. What did it mean to you to have them here to witness this? Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen them in, in two years, sorry. Uh, it's, it's really cool to have them here. And, uh, you know, my main priority really was just to hang out with them and uh, golf was second for these few weeks. So uh, it's nice to, nice to see them and nice to get a win from Big win indeed, Cam. Congratulations. Well done today. Thank you. Well, if that doesn't bring a tear to your eye, I don't know what does. Mark Allen and Tiffany Trey <laughs> with you on the Australian Golf Show. In fact, you can hear it in my voice. That was just amazing. It was so incredible to see and witness that and to listen to that. And Cam Smith now, Marco, is in world, is world number six. World number six. What a week he's had. Uh, came in at number 10. Look, really overnight, I, I was thinking maybe, maybe, you know, a good finish coming. But when I got up this morning, um, I got involved when he'd made about his third birdie. He ended up making five in the first six. Yep. But then after that, he's buggied seven, eight, nine and, and goes straight back in the pack and you think, oh, God, what's happened now? He gets on the 10th hole and goes birdie on 10, birdie on 11, birdie on 12, birdie yeah. on 13. <laughs> if you don't mind. And now the tournament's his to lose. Um, he gets some incredible up and downs on the way to the 17th hole. What he did on the 16th tee, now you've, you've just got to think about this. If he birdie 16, which is a driver and a mid-iron for some of the guys who hit the ball a long, a long way, but he's got to turn it around the corner. He hit the biggest, nastiest, most filthy snap hook I've ever seen on that hole. In fact, yep. I've never seen Cameron hit a shot like that, to tell you the truth. The chip out was hard. I mean, he, the ball sat down in this pine needles. They call it pine straw, but in the pine needles, the ball yep. sat down. And that made the chip out even harder. He only had a tiny little gap. I, I, I'm telling you, the chip out was important and it was hit to perfection. And even then, he had a long iron to the green. Now, the long iron that he hit, the third shot, I'll tell you now, that won him the tournament, in, in my view. It was a what looked like a three iron. Uh, he put the best swing on that three iron of the day and he hit it exactly where he was aiming, which was on the left-hand side of the green. He almost told the putt. He had a beautiful putt. Um, but Tim, uh, then you, you saw what happened on 17, didn't you? Well, well, he, he struck his tee shot within inches of the pin. <laughs> Unbelievable. You just heard the commentator then. It was incredible. And, it, it, and he said he was just trying to get over the bunker. Yeah, well, that's right. He's just trying to hit it over the bunker. So on this particular hole, they put the pin as far right as it can possibly go uh, on the last day, which is great theatre. This tournament is fantastic theatre. I don't care what anyone says. This tournament is wonderful to watch when you're sitting in your lounge room. With a two-shot lead, there's no way you aim at that pin. There's no way in a million years you aim at that pin. So he was like, what, what he said, he was trying to hit it over the bunker, which is about 20, 15 foot left of the hole. And then yep. if you're lucky, if you hit a really good shot, it rolls all the way down that hill. He's hit his ball in between the hole and the water. <laughs> I mean, I, I can't, I would love to have had a heart monitor on him at that stage, really, because <laughs> well, it would have gone up to 200 beats a minute. And he's such a cool cat. And then Anabar Lahiri. Oh, hang, hang on, hang on, hang on to. Then he calmly rolls that putt in. What? So that was his 10th birdie of the day. Yep. 10 birdies in the last round. I mean, I know the course was soft because all the rain, but still to continue to make birdies and to continue to make putts. Uh, and then you want to walk us through 18? 18, 18. 
Well, then Annabelle Lahiri hits a birdie himself. Yeah, that's um, right. Yeah. That's right. He made a birdie on 17 yeah. to yeah. get within two. And in, yeah. in, at that stage, at that stage, I'm thinking to myself, he's got a three-shot lead. Just hit a five on. If Steve Williams was caddying for him, Tiger's famous caddy, yep. there is no way he hits driver off that hole. No way in a million years. Steve would have given him a four iron or a three iron and ran off the tee and said, see you later. But he hit driver. Now he's got to chip it out between trees, and the only place he can't go is in the water. Where you reckon he goes? Guess where he goes. Chips it out into the water. Now, this is very Adam Scott from when, when Adam Scott won this tournament when he was a kid. You know, I, they showed some highlights of him. He looked like he was about 16 years old. Adam Scott did the same thing, but he hit a full six iron in the water. Even so, he hits it in the water. He has to get up and down now for bogey from about 60 metres yep. um, and hits a beautiful shot to within three, oh, three oh, yeah. foot and then just yep. calmly rolls it in. Can I tell you this? Yep. He had 101 putts for the week. That's 25.25 putts for the week. Now, that's a tournament record. Yep. He, he's, a, he's a genius with yep. the short game. Oh, I know Brett Rumford's been getting a fair run on this program, hasn't he? Yep. Um, just recently with his work with Kirsten, uh, Rudgley and Hannah and why Green. Wouldn't you, with all the amazing work he's been doing. I think Cameron Smith is kind of heading into this territory now where he is a genius with a putter in his hands. He's even better with the wedges. Um, and, and to be good with the wedges is one thing. But to be good with the wedges at that stage of a tournament when $3.6 million is on the line, the richest purse in golf history, yep. uh, and also all the ranking points, and, and to be a tournament player's champion, um, I just can't phenomenal. speak highly enough of this character. And do you remember when he won last year and we asked him, um, you know, it's a big purse, what are you going to do? And he goes, oh, I don't know. I think my mum needs a new car. Well, he's now just, as you said, won the biggest purse. I wonder what he's going to do. He was so emotional about his family being there. It was yeah. just beautiful to listen to that and to watch it if you're watching it on yeah. television, did, just did what you, that meant to him. Did you watch so – it's been a horrible week and, uh, you know, some one half of the draw on rounds one and two, they got absolutely – killed with the weather conditions um it was really interesting listening to mcginley and uh brandel chambly uh, speak about the wind and everything else like that for a while uh particularly 17 brandel chambly he was talking about redesigning the 17th because of one day by the way it's 120 meters to the middle of that green mm. that's all we're talking about it's not a big deal it was a big wind but to see some of the best players in the world you know shape these six irons and things it was brilliant well, guess what? We have a man on the ground, the chief executive oh. of the Australian PGA. Gavin Kirkman is there. G'day, Gav. Just explain, describe the atmosphere when you're watching on the 18th, that final that final hot shot drop into the hole. Oh, absolute uh, elation, Tiff. You know, for, for Cam, for what he went through today, you know, he had uh, 10 birdies, four pars and four bogeys. And 24 putts. So to you know, the uh, what he's done, the resilience in in that young man is just unbelievable. So my my smile won't go away for a long time. Tip. Yeah, Gav. What about what about where he hit his ball on the 17th, in between the hole and the water? Where, where was your heart at that stage? Exactly. You know, who's going to take that line on? But you know, the way Cam was playing today, the way he's played all week, um, you know, he just. Uh, was going. He had a plan. He stayed to his plan, and um, he just delivered all week. Have you had a chance to chat with him yet, Gavin? No, I did talk to him um, on Wednesday. I caught up with him over at his practice round. Caught up uh, as they finished play yesterday because you know 
the last two rounds, he played 10 really poorly. And then to see today where he um, made bogeys on 7, 8 and 9 and we're thinking what's going to happen on 10 because he bogeyed 10 on round 2 and 3 and I was there mm. to witness both those. But he just um, he kept coming back as soon as he bogeyed, you know, in round 3, then went par, oh, he went birdie, birdie, birdie. So today to see what he went got happened before then and then he just reeled off another three or four birdies today. Gav, yeah, what's the flow on when an Australian wins a big event like this? Because I know Martin Blake's phone is going absolutely crazy at the moment. Um, I'm, I'm hooked up to do about four different radio stations and Sky News. I mean, the, the excitement about a big win uh, by anybody uh, from, an, from an Australian viewpoint is enormous. But do you feel it at the PGA as well? Oh, by all means. It's just great for Australian golf. But from the PGA point of view, you know, I'm, I'm exchanging messages with Kari Webb today. It's men and women. Mm-hmm promoting yeah. and being very happy for everyone. I've caught up with Sarah Jane Smith today. I've caught up with Min Woo today. You know, I've spoken to all of them because I'm over here in the States while they're all getting ready. Um, Lucas Herbert, who, who didn't play weight well today, but, you know, he's going through that phase that he's, he's showing what it's all about. He's learning as he plays every round. And what are the players learning from, from each other, those, you know, those three that you just reeled off, Sarah Jane, um, Lucas Herbert, Min Woo, and the others, what do they, what do they take from a, a victory like this? Yeah, I think, you know, they, they take it that it's, it's, you know, their fellow countrymen and women um, performing well and they're just working out how they get the job done. There's so many talented players, you know, to, to be around the players here at TPC Sawgrass this week, the talent and what they're doing yesterday, um, you know, they're just learning from each other. They, they share the good, they share the bad but they are also they're just there for each other. And, Gavin, you're over there for the World Golf Hall of Fame, four inductees, but one of them happened to be Tiger Woods. <laughs> uh, fair one to go to. How was it? Yeah, well, you know, it was just standing room only, you know, to, uh, to see what happened that night. It was all about, you know, the VIPs in the room, and, and that's where I ran into Kari Webb. Kari, as, a, as an inductee, um, all the VIPs from the past, Halo and you name them, they were there to watch Tiger be inducted, you know, alongside with the, the other famous people in the sport and the men and the women who have done so much for the services award and so forth. But it's a night that I think will we'll stay with everyone for a long time and to see his daughter Sam speak the way she spoke just is, a, hmm. is great for Tiger Woods and shows what Tiger's all about on the course and also off the course. Can you, can you paraphrase a little bit of what Sam said and, and Tiger as well for those who perhaps haven't read about it? I think, you know, the, the biggest thing is Sam just said he's my dad and, uh, mm. you know, off the golf course he's, he's a dad. He's, he, he treats both his uh, Sam and, and Charlie really well and he, he ensures that he instills, you know, into, uh, into them what was instilled into him through his mum and dad. And, and when Tiger spoke, he, he took us back to, to how it started and how he got into the game. He spoke a lot about his father and mother. He spoke about what they sacrificed for him to have his career in golf and how um, indebted he was to them to ensure that uh, he's the person he is because of his uh, mum and dad and he's got the career he's had because of his mum and dad as well. And what else uh, are you going to bring back for us? What little gems? Obviously, you're over there to experience those couple, these couple of uh, events that you, we've just spoken about, but what else are you doing over there, Gavin, yeah. that is going to help uh, the PGA? Well, it, you know, it's over here just helping, you know, a lot with Australian golf. You know, I've caught up the meetings I've had this week, Tiff and Mark, you know, with uh, with 
I've you know, caught up and had discussions with the Commissioner, Jay Monaghan. I've caught up with the Commissioner of the LPGA, Molly. Um, I've had some great meetings. There have been all the tours are here, all the PGAs are here as well from the vocational point of view with the PGA of America, PGA of Great Britain and Ireland, PGA of Canada. So any other people I've caught up with and had really good discussion is with the First T program as well, which, yeah, we've got a chapter here in Australia. So it's something that, you know, we're going to work very closely with uh, Golf Australia and make sure that we, we put that program into place and, and grow that program here in Australia. Fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Gavin, we will let you go because I know that uh, it's been a big day for you. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, thanks, Tiff, and thanks, Mark. Uh, as I said, you won't get rid of my smile for quite a few days. So great <laughs> for Australian golf. Thank you. On you, on you Gav. Gavin Kirkman there, the CEO of the PGA of Australasia. And coming up after the break, we've got a couple of cherry-picked. You're listening to the Australian Golf Show. Welcome back to the show. It's with great pleasure I introduce our cherry pick for this week, who is none other than Yarra Yarra Golf Club manager, Andrea Watson, who among her list of achievements, she's helped deliver two President's Cups as Assistant GM at Royal Melbourne, overseen major clubhouse renovations at Kingston Heath, and uh, as I said, is the GM of Yarra Yarra. And there's not too many women in that role, not only in Australia, but around the world. Andrea, it's an absolute pleasure to chat with you. Thank you, Tiffany. And you're here with um, with Mark Allen and Andrea, a role like that, because it's not just all the list of achievements that you've uh, managed throughout your career, but you're also the mum of six kids. So I just want to understand how you divvy up your time between your full-time role, obviously your husband and the six kids. Look, to be honest with you, Tiffany, my, my children are all grown up, so we're empty nesters, which makes a, a, a big difference, I think. I think the day that our last child left my husband was crying and I was actually um, doing somersaults <laughs> in the background saying yay it's all done so we're we're look we we um we're just as I said we're empty nesters so it's really nice we spend time with the grandchildren and um my children are not all in Melbourne so they're um there's one in America and one and one in uh, Queensland and so um I don't I don't have to devote that much time to be honest with you. Andrea. Uh- Tiff just mentioned about the, a couple of President's Cups. It's, they're some of the biggest uh, uh, tournaments and events that we've ever seen in this country. Uh, there's a lot of organising to do. Was it daunting? Uh, and do you, do you bring that experience with you to, to Yarra Yarra? Look, uh, tournaments are very unique creatures in themselves. Um, you have to... Um, know a lot about what's going on in regards to it. You have to work really well with the USPGA. They are amazing uh, to work with, and and it was it was my privilege to be able to assist them to deliver two Presidents Cups. Um, and they were the last one, which was 2019, was just huge. The way that they delivered that was unbelievable. It was the best tournament um, that you know you could ever attend. Um, and they just do it so well, you know. For us, we're really delivering the um, member side of it, so the member aspect of it, because when the President's Cup come, they actually take over everything and they do all the work themselves. So you're just working in conjunction with them um, and you're trying to create the best member experience you can possibly create with it, which is which is fantastic. But, <clears throat> Scott, sorry. Um, in all honesty, um, the best tournament I've actually ever done is the Masters with Tiger Woods. Oh, wow. Um, we just finished doing the renovation at 
Kingston Heath and I can actually remember the general manager, Greg Chappell, and I, he, um, we were unpacking the furniture the night before we were due to have our box <laughs> opening and that's how close it was. We were stressing that we wouldn't get it all finished. But just to see that first day of the practice round and see 30,000 people just swarm through those gates, mm. just w- looking to see Tiger Woods, it was it was such an experience. I just can't tell you what it was like. It was it was amazing. Incredible. Before we delve in deep into those experiences, let's go back to to how you started because it's as I said at the top of the introduction, it's there's not many women in this role. How how did you manage to forge your way into this position? Um, to be honest with you, Tiffany, I actually fell into the golf industry. Um, my youngest was three years old, and I decided that I just wanted to do some part time work um, just to keep myself occupied and get away from six kids. <laughs> so, um, so I um, went to look for some hospitality work, and my husband suggested we go to a golf club and go down there. And I got a job at Peninsula Kingswood, which was Peninsula at the time, and I sort of just fell into that industry and um, just loved it so much that I just wanted to stay. And so I um, continued my studies and I worked at Peninsula and I went on to be full-time and then went on to be their operations manager, their operations manager, and um, and then just progressed across from there to Kingston Heath and then to Royal Melbourne and then finally to Yarra Yarra. So I'm pretty much a Sandbelt manager. So who's who of golf <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, you know more about the sandbelt than probably just about every golfer. What are what are the obstacles along the way? I mean, there's no doubt there's that, you know, you're a woman, can you do the role? But can you put that in your own words that you what you've experienced, what you can share with us? Sure. Um, look, I think it's a very difficult industry for women to um, break into if you want to have a, a senior role. Um, and that is that's partly because it's a very male-dominated industry, um, and also it depends on I think where you where your background comes from. So I think whether you're a male or a female, if you're coming through the hospitality side of golf, you are going to struggle in the um, management side because people see you as a hospitality person and they don't see you as a lot more than that. So um, I don't think that that's gender-based. Um, I think that men are very good at helping each other up the ladder and I think that women struggle a little bit with that. I think that their own self-confidence precludes them from bringing other women up behind Mm -hmm. them without feeling intimidated. So I think we need to work on that um, and we definitely need more women um, pulling other women up by the bootstraps yeah. Did you ever? Do you ever sit in a room? Was there ever a, a, a time when you were at a high level meeting and you know you were overlooked as perhaps the assistant, whereas you're the position, you're the person that was running the show, or it, or an experience like that where you sort of you know sat back and thought, well, um, you know, hello, it's me, and it's not the it's not the bloke sitting next to me. Oh, look, that's happened plenty of times. Um, more often than not, um, I will get. Um, people come up and say, I'm looking for the general manager, Andrew Watson, because they don't <laughs> expect it to be a woman. And um, there's been plenty of occasions where I've actually attended meetings with um, a second in charge or an operations manager or even a director of golf, and they walk straight up and shake the gentleman's hand and say, 
um, oh, you must be the general manager. And then, then that person will say, oh, no, actually, it's Andrea here. So there's a, there's a presumption that it's, that, you know, that the majority of males, um, the majority of general managers are males. And that's, that's a reality of the situation. Um, so, yeah, I just, yeah. How many are there? I think I remember listening to you and there's less than a handful, I think, in Australia. That's but, right. And, and you've had experience um, with the RNA and as, you, as you, you've been over, you've been to Augusta. Yeah, look, I've, 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 been, I've been lucky enough. I've been really blessed in the fact that because I've worked at the top two golf clubs in Australia that I've had opportunities to travel overseas and I was a guest of Augusta National for the Masters. Um, they invited me there for a week, which was an experience I will never forget. It was just unbelievable. I I um I got so much back of house access mm. um, and just seeing, you know, the old sellers with um, the names of Eisenhower written on mm. the on the shelves and and the um the locker rooms. Um, you know, just just very privileged to see so much that not the average person wouldn't get to see. Um, and it was just it was just an unbelievable experience. I I encourage anyone who loves golf, you've got to go to a Masters because it, it's it's a tournament you'll just never forget. You just won't forget in your whole life. Where, where's the hospitality going to get to? Do you think? I mean, in your role now, you've you've obviously had a lot of experience. Uh, this uh, just the stories you're telling us. I, I know when uh, golfers go to America, they come back and they go, they, they they just can't believe the service and the hospitality and the tradition at some of the golf clubs. Do you think we're heading in that direction, or do you think uh, Australian golfers, um, men and women, uh, would prefer uh, an English style of hospitality? Where, where do you think we're headed? Mark, I think that the hospitality in America is a very different kettle of fish to Australia, and there's a there's a couple of things that that go towards that. The first thing is that labour costs are very low in America, so they can really throw labour at at golf clubs, and the and the membership fees at private golf clubs are a lot higher than they are in Australia. So. I think Australia is a, a lovely laid-back type of country and I think that the expectation for members is that it's a social um, place to be, it's a community to be at and they they are looking for that more relaxed atmosphere. I don't think that that's, um, I don't think we're ever going to move to the American model. Um, it's, a, it's a very different model um, from what we have. Um, the English model is is lovely and the old clubhouse are fantastic and you know Yarra Yarra has that heritage yeah you know we're, we're a beautiful old clubhouse and when people come they just love it they really love looking around and seeing all of the um, history that Yarra Yarra brings. What big plans do you have Andrew you've done so much what else what else do you want to do in the in the industry? Um, look I, I think I think I've probably um, I wasn't I wasn't planning on taking this role originally when I left rural Melbourne I was actually um, I made a business plan to actually use my master's in HR and just do some consulting um, for the golf clubs Um, I think that's an area where golf clubs really struggle and um, I was offered this opportunity to come here so it sort of changed my business plan a little bit (laughs) um, to to come and be the general manager of Yarra Yarra which I'm really privileged to, to work at such an amazing club and I really love Yarra Yarra it's an amazing mm. place to work um, but I think this is probably going I'm close to the end of my career now um, I'd like to be able to mentor more people into the industry 
um, for new people. Just on that then, Andrea, what what advice would you have, not just for women, um, for men as well, but obviously if you could skew to a degree with women, as we spoke about, it's such a hard industry to get into. What would you give women who want to achieve what you have? I think that um, women need to believe in themselves more and they need to put themselves in the forefront more than they do. Um, They wait for opportunities to come to them instead of putting themselves out there and allowing themselves to, um, to not succeed sometimes. You have to be prepared for failure and I, I think that women struggle in that space to prepare themselves for failure. You know, I know there are men who will go for roles that they know 20% of the role and they say, I'll learn the rest, mm. and yet there are women that need to know 100% of the role before they're mm. confident to do it. So if I was to say anything, I'd say believe in yourself. And Andre, last one for me, Andrea. Um, I love what's happened through Yarra, the golf course itself with Tom Doak. Okay, so I, I, I think it is sensational what, what's happened down there. I know there are some members who are that wrapped about. How do you go about the day-to-day you know, moaning and groaning? Because it happens at every single golf course right around the country, <laughs> but particularly at Yarra just at the moment because of some of the members' memory of how they you know, the course they once joined to the golf course that it is today. And again, just have it in the back of your mind, knowing that what the golf course is today is so far better than what it was 20 years ago. Mark, look, I I think we've got a really fantastic membership here and I don't, I don't get a lot of negative feedback in regards to the changes to the golf course. I think the members are very, very proud of the golf course and the way it is. And that, that's reflective in the amount of guests that they bring and how many emails we get mm. to say how proud they are of what the club has achieved over the last four years. Um, I think the majority of members are really proud of, of what we've done. And just finally from me too, Andrew, you've played, uh, I see it, at St Andrews and no <laughs> doubt you've experienced many, as you said, you've played across the sandbouts, managed them. Um, what's the best golf, golf course that you've played at? Oh, that's a tough question, Tiffany. I'd have to say Yarra Yarra because I'm <laughs> Yarra Yarra general manager. I mean, what, Yarra Yarra what? is an amazing course. Um, I did get the opportunity to tour um, um, Cypress Point and we actually played a couple of holes there um, and that was an unbelievable experience. Mm. But I, I think that, you know, um, it's unbelievable because of its location. Um, so... Um, I think the Sandbelt Golf Courses are the best in the world. They really are. Yep, without a doubt. It's such an inspiration to talk to you again after listening to your story the first time. I was absolutely inspired to get you on the show and thank you so much for joining us and all the best with uh, what holds, what lays ahead for with Yarra Yarra but, uh, but beyond that as well with your own business. Thank you, Tiffany. Thank you, Mark. It was lovely Thanks, Andrea. Thank you both. Good luck. Thank Andrea you. Watson Bye. there. Bye-bye, the general, general manager of Yarra Yarra. As we switch now to welcome as another cherry pick guest, Aaron Pike, the 36-year-old Queenslander who won the TPS Hunter Valley at Cypress Lakes just north of Sydney on the weekend after a three-hole playoff. Aaron, how were the nerves? Yeah, they were pretty good, uh, pretty good to be honest. Uh, yeah, to be honest, I was probably more nervous early in the round than I was in the playoff, yeah. Hmm. So, Aaron, I've been watching you play golf for a long time now. You're always on the TV or thereabouts. Uh, you're featuring a lot of tournaments. This one, I felt like it's the best I've seen you swing, just the, the tempo. How'd the swing feel to you this week? Yeah, I, 
I, I certainly didn't feel like I, I certainly didn't feel like I, I played amazing, but I certainly don't feel like I played bad. I've been working quite a bit recently on on some technical aspects, working with a new coach. So, uh, so it's good to hear things like that from yourself. But, uh, but yeah, it, it's been a long work in progress. It's kind of been sort of what do I need to do to get that little bit better every single time. So you're always looking for those, you know, those tiny changes, tiny bits of improvement that we can make. And for the first, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we weren't so sure that the tournament was going to be on. So give us an idea about your preparation as well. I was, honestly, it was, uh, if you saw the golf course Tuesday and Wednesday, you <laughs> genuinely would think there's no way that this golf tournament was going to happen. So uh, it, it was incredible that the guys at Cyprus actually got the course up and player it playing uh, and the PGA getting it, getting it ready and sort of going to the lengths they did to make it happen. Uh, but yeah, preparation wise, it was, you couldn't really do much. Like, mm. We had to go out to the vintage golf club and I, I played, you know, paid to pay the green fee and played some golf out there and they, they were lucky enough to some balls and did some putting and stuff like that. But, you know, we didn't really have much of an opportunity. We kind of had to make do with what we could. So went to a few wineries and, and stuff <laughs> like that. So we had to fill in the time somehow, but it was, it was difficult. It was a strange preparation. And it's taken you, Aaron, what was it, 12 years, I think, when 2006 you uh, won the, the amateur, or sorry, the Australian Masters, you won the amateur, yes, correct? Yep. Yeah. So 12 years, and you talked about then just earlier about, you know, the nerves, you weren't that nervous. How do you how do you focus in with your mind getting through that long stretch before you win your first major event? Now this is your third, but how do you how do you sustain yourself over such a long period of time when it's, you know, the highs are pretty are hard to find? Yeah, yeah. Well, to be honest, those sort of first few years, uh, that sort of twelve-year gap, there was a lot of injuries that sort of was in there, and, and that that kind of hindered made mainly that entire period. And then basically since twenty eighteen, when I won in Victoria, it, it's been a sustained period where the body's been fine. I, I know what to do, how to how to keep it sort of as soon as something happens, I know how to keep it in check, or you know immediately reiterate it, and it's sort of a bit more. I, bit easier to manage and stuff like that now so just basically being able to sort of keep playing and so forth and play more events that obviously helps but yeah it's hard you, mm. patience patience is something that you're either born with or you got to learn really hard to get and um and you got to work pretty bloody hard to do it so that that's probably what I would sort of put it down to I've had to try very hard to to sort of get that patience Mm. Uh, Aaron, final one for me. Um, New South Wales Open is coming up, and if you win there, that gets you into the top three, and you know what the top three means in the order of merit. How does that make you feel? How do you prepare for something like that? Yeah, without sort of being cliche, I prepare the same way as I have all the uh, all the events that we've played. So I haven't really set myself a definitive goal in terms of I want to win and finish third or, you know, all of these kind of things. But realistically, I, I'm honestly, I'm just going out there and trying to shoot as low a possible score as I can every time I step foot on the golf course. So. And it seems like it's working, so I might as well stick with it, right? Good on you. Just a final one for me, Aaron. The, the TPS, we've spoken about this with uh, with some of the other winners, but just your thoughts on, you know, being able to play with the women and obviously the juniors and the amateurs. Um, I mean, you went into a three-hole playoff with the 22-year-old Kiwi, Momoka Kabori, who was trying to become the second woman behind WA's Hannah Green to win a mixed event on a major tour. H- how do you see that all, you know, the success of that? Yeah, I think I think it's a great initiative going forward. Uh, it, it's it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out when the borders are more open and the international girls actually come down here. I I don't think it's going to be a male dominated um, event like I think as you said there we've only had Hannah win and she's obviously a top twenty five player in the world. So mm. 
she could probably beat most of the guys, most of us off the blokes tees anyway. She's that good at golf. <laughs> um, but in saying that, I think when the borders get open and, and, and we start to see the ladies, European girls come down here, I, I, I genuinely think, you know, a lot of these guys here are probably going to have a bit of a shock to how good these girls are and, and what they can potentially do. So mm. I think it's a great initiative. I think it's great for the sport. I think it's great for, you know, to have the, the kids there as well, you know, to showcase that. The, the girl that won on Sunday, she was absolutely stoked. You could see how nervous and, you know, excited she was and all the rest of it. But that's, that's, what, that's what this is about. She gets exposed to that early. Yep. So then when she rolls around and she's in the same situation as Momoka, she's, you know, she's fine. So yeah. I, I, I personally am quite a fan of it. it. More prize money, more events that we've got, I'm a big fan of. Yeah, well, all the best. Uh, good luck next week, of course. And I think you're sitting in the top six at the moment. So keep keep hammering away and see how you go uh, for the final couple of events. But uh, we really appreciate you coming on the show. And, um, yeah, we'll, we'll watch with interest what happens from here. Cheers. Thanks very much. Aaron Pike there. And uh, coming up next is the probably the second hottest man in Australian golf is the uh, the Australian uh, Australian golf media manager and uh, Martin Blake, whose phone is running hot on the back of Cam Smith's win over in the US. We'll be speaking with him right after this. Oh, my goodness. This is way more aggressive than I anticipated. Oh, man. What a shot. Yeah, you better smile. That's a little Ricky Fowler-esque. That was exactly what that looked like. The 17th hole, your 10th birdie. What was your approach on that shot? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'd be lying if I, if I didn't push it a little bit. I was trying to hit it over the, over the bunker there and hold it up against the wind, and uh, the wind didn't really do much for maybe three-quarters of the shot, and it held it up right at the end there, and, uh, yeah, that was just awesome. As you've established yourself as one of the top 10 players in the world, how much confidence do you have in your putting? Yeah, I mean, that was probably the big key today, to be honest. Um, it kept me in it. Um, obviously made plenty of birdies. Um, had to make a lot of good par putts as well there at the end. And, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely the strength of my game. And sometimes I maybe lean on it too much, but um, it's nice to see him go in. Your mom, Sharon, your sister, Mel, they're here from Australia the first time in over two and a half years due to the COVID protocols in Australia. What did it mean to you to have them here to witness this? Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen them in, in two years, sorry. Uh, it's, it's really cool to have them here. And, uh, you know, my main priority really was just to hang out with them and uh, golf was second for these few weeks. So, uh it's nice to, nice to see him and nice to get a win from. A big win indeed, Cam. Congratulations. Well done today. Thank you. And we welcome the gazelle into the hot seat. Martin, your phone's running hot. What's the latest news? I'm just, uh, the big news is that you've described me as the second hottest man in Australian golf. I mean, has <laughs> <laughs> it got to be I Marco think accurate. I think that's accurate. Uh, the phone leave is it to the absolutely, it is melting down, uh, Tiff, this morning with Cam Smith's uh, win in Florida. Uh, I can't tell you much more than what you've heard from Gavin Kirkman on the ground, except that he was number 10 uh, prior to this week. So I think you said he was going up to number six. Is yep. that correct? Yep. Uh, pretty impressive climb by Cam Smith this year with mm. his win, obviously his win in Hawaii earlier in the year. So uh, what, what, a, what a player he is. I mean, we've been watching him up close for a while. I'm not sure we knew he was going to be this good. Um, 
he's a former Australian amateur champion, don't forget. I mean, he was a superstar yeah. as a kid, uh, but he was only a little fellow. I can remember seeing him play um, when he first turned pro and he, he was just such a small guy. He didn't hit the ball very mm. far, uh, but he's he's uh, got himself fitter and stronger and uh, Marco, that was tough watching him chip it in on, on 18 chip oh. in the water. That's the God. same pond that Adam Scott hit it in yeah. uh, in 2004. So. Yeah, Adam Scott hit a 6-iron in that. When you're chipping out from the trees, you don't often chip out into the water. So I think Keegan Bradley did the same thing, actually. There was a couple – happened a couple of times. I'll tell you what, you're talking about being stronger. Uh, the coverage slowed his swing down uh, there at one stage and the position that he gets into just before impact and just through impact – you have to have an awful lot of strength to do that. I mean, his his right arm is so far in front of his uh, his stomach. Um, it's hard. It's a hard position to get into, but it's a position that consistently the best players who have ever played the game have got into. So there's a bit of a funny jiggle going on at the top. But my goodness, the the strength to get into that spot is very impressive. Yeah, he hits the ball right to left, Marco, and he hits it over 300 yards. Mm. Um, so he's he's not short anymore. He's nope. just not long, if you know what I mean. So, uh, And when you're as good as that with the wedges, chipping and the putting, I mean, with a wedge in his hand, I think he's, yep. you know, he's right there. And, and the, co- the coverage, Martin, said from uh, four feet to eight feet, he's the best on tour. Uh, if you're going to have a stat in golf, I think that's the stat mm. you want to be the number one at, to be the best four to eight footer. I mean, that means you're – going to be a good putter in between in, inside of four feet. But that, that is an absolute belter. So what makes him world number one from here? What does oh, he need win, to do? He's got to win some majors, I think. Or, he, or he's got to have a season where he wins six tournaments in a season or something like that. Um, because there's some pretty handy players. There's, oh, what's he got to do to his game? No, yeah. he's, he's, no, I think the form waves. So this this is really important. Tiger, Tiger's form wave was a very shallow form wave. You know, his best golf to his C-grade golf, there wasn't much of a, a, a disparity, and I think that's what the best players have always been able to do. Somehow, some way, um, their their B grade golf is still good enough to finish in the top five, uh, and that's probably you know what he has to do. Just he doesn't have to drop off too often. I would agree with that, Marco. Just you know, clearing out some of those bumps. He can hit the ball left, as you saw on the sixteenth day. He can miss left when he's under pressure with the driver. That, that could you be believe he hit driver on the 18th too? No, with I thought three he should hit lead, a three-wood. I, I would have yeah. thought a nice little three-wood. I guess he wanted to be proactive. But, you know, even if he just chips it out into the middle of the fairway and makes a bogey with, uh, I, from I think, there, you know. I, I think Steve Williams, who's the best caddy in the world, I think he would have given him a four-iron and said, see you later. Just and dropped just it on the tee and walked off as he just, did with the He would have dropped a four-iron. Yeah, that's right. Four-iron or maybe a, uh, his longest you know, hybrid or something like that. I don't know whether he's got a hybrid in the bag, but something like that and just said, see you later. I'll see you up there. Hey, we but, should mention that Minji Lee to finish yep. 12th in Thailand. It was a good mm-hmm. result for Minji, who's we mentioned last week, has got to number four in the world. At one stage, I thought she was going to win that event and, and jump up another few cogs, but Nana Kurtz Madsen from Denmark became the first Danish woman to win on the LPGA Tour. So, And Hannah Green and Sue O both played well. They were inside the top 30 as well. Mm. Nellie Corder, who's number two in the world behind Jin Young Ko, has been treated for a blood clot in her arm. Ooh. She went to a uh, picture opportunity at Sawgrass over the last couple of days. She's got a clot, which she's having treatment for. Quite, that can be quite nasty. So Absolutely. there's a major, the first major of the women's season coming up in a few weeks' time. That might be a, a bit of an issue for her. And I wanted to mention the Riversdale Cup, which is one of the storied 
Amateur Events of Australian Golf, uh, Max Ford from Royal Queensland, won the men's. Abby Teasdale, congratulations to her, Royal Fremantle. She won the women's. And Mike Brown from England won the All Abilities title at Riversdale. Yeah, very much a, a national a national field. I had a look in the, a lot of different flags from all the different states. It's not just a Victorian event anymore, is it? Uh, absolutely international. Marco and Tiff, would you redesign the 17th at Sawgrass? I think I know the answer. No. To this, Brandel no. Chambly, the commentator, said that it's too difficult. There was a, yeah. I think it was on the Saturday at Sawgrass, there were a lot of balls went in the water, I think 19. Yeah. Uh, it was very windy and very tough to land, you know, control a ball and land yeah. it on the back green. No. Would, would you redesign it? I, I, it's no. a bit gimmicky, I'd have to say, but yep. it kind of works for an American audience. No doubt. I enjoy it. Yep. Yeah, oh, I think it will work. It works for a world audience. It, it is very gimmicky. It's 100% very gimmicky, but it is compulsive watching. You mm. cannot leave the TV screen when it's when it's being played, when they're playing for that much money. And that's what we need. That's what golf needs. Thank you, Blakey. We have to let you run. No problem. You're on please. fire. Thank you. Martin Blake there. And now uh, we've got Marco's Masterclass coming up after this. Looking forward to it. And Marco, no prizes for guessing who you'll be focusing on for the masterclass this week. Yeah, beautiful. Cameron Smith, uh, I love the way he putts. I love the way he chips and pitches. It's all beautiful. But what he has done to his follow-through is what we're going to focus on. You know, if your setup is basically the same all the time, and then the finish of your follow-through is the same all the time, that makes it really easy or easier to repeat everything that's in between the setup and the follow-through. So sometimes, I don't know why this is, but if you just – it's a bit like sticking the landing uh, in gymnastics, you know. If you can stick your follow-through, and Cameron Smith does all the time, somehow it makes everything else join up and work nicely. So next time you see him play, watch how he sticks the follow-through. It's a bit like Madonna. He's just – it's boging. He just finishes and he absolutely just holds it perfectly. (laughs) Oh, what a great image to finish on. Thank you, Marco. Catch you next time. See you, guys.